Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Welcome to episode 65, Falling in Love with Emotional Eating. Trisha Nelson lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. Trisha has spent over 30 years researching the hidden causes of the addictive personality. Trisha is an emotional eating expert and author of the number one best-selling book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. She also certifies health coaches so they can get better results, referrals, and revenue by helping their clients overcome emotional eating. Trisha is the host of the popular podcast, the Heal Your Hunger Show. In today's episode, Trisha and I talk about the part love has in emotional eating and the work she does to help people break the cycle. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today we have a wonderful guest, Trisha. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm super happy to be here. Um, I love talking about food and especially emotional eating. So I'm so excited to hear your story and how you work with your clients. And I always start the podcast asking my guests, how and when did you fall in love with yourself? Can you share a little bit about your story and your journey on finding your radiant loving self? Oh, I would love to. And thank you so much for this opportunity. It's a great topic. Um, Yeah, I did not love myself. I hated myself uh, for many years. I grew up um, obsessed with food. And, um, and I didn't think there was anything wrong with that for a time. I, I thought, well, I just liked food. Um, but I liked it a lot (laughs) and I, and I gained a lot of weight. So by age 21, I was 50 pounds overweight and I really hated being overweight. Like I had a roll in my tummy that I would scrunch up in my hands. Imagine cutting off, you you know, like you cut fat off the side of a steak. And I thought about getting some disease where I would automatically lose weight without having a diet or joining the army where I'd be forced to exercise at boot camp because I hated exercise. So I had a lot of crazy thoughts around my weight because I would diet, but I would always gain the weight back, you know, and statistically speaking, that's typical, you know, Um, 90% of all diets fail, in fact. So I was definitely one of those statistics. And you know, it was, what was the problem for me is I, you know, the self-hatred did go deep and it wasn't just about my physical body. Um, I had a lot of shame and I, I really, uh, my eating was driven by a lot of underlying causes, which is why the diets didn't work for me. Cause that was just, you know, I was treating the symptom, um, and not going deeper. And when I first heard the words emotional eating, I thought, well, I'm not an emotional eater. I just like food. You know, I just thought that's silly, but you can't unhear it. <laughs> you know, once you know, it's sort of, you know, once your consciousness raises, right. you can't, you can't lower it again. So 
I started to observe my experience with food and like I had uh, friends like I'd go out to uh, lunch with friends and we'd all have like a sandwich and it would come with fries and they'd eat their sandwich and pick up their fries. But I'd eat my fries and pick up my sandwich and I'd be like, how could you leave a French fry on the, on the plate? <laughs> like that's, 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 that's terrible. It's sacrilege. So, so I noticed that my relationship with food was a little different um, than other people's. And then I did um, end up being a binge eater where I just loved food. And I, and I, and I, somehow the, the act of binging, even though I never planned on binging, like I get my brownies and my ice cream and some chips. Cause you have to have salty with the sweet and I'd sit in front of the TV and I'd eat, but then I'd overeat and I would end up, end up eating a lot, like beyond what was comfortable. And I'd feel sick. And then I'd hate myself. I'd be like, what did you do? You know, you have no control. You're so weak and, you know, all the self recriminating thoughts, you know, ensued. And then of course that just sets you up to do it again. So, um, so it was really a terrible cycle for me and I did have sexual abuse as a kid. And so I had a lot of shame about my body too. So the shame went deep because of that experience as well. So it's like all these things kind of layered on top of each other. Um, to create this person who didn't feel good about herself, you know, who had a lot of self-hatred um, and shame and, you know, just sort of apologizing for being alive, you know, like I just sort of didn't feel worthy of taking up space on this planet. And so obviously in order to heal that had to change. And I'm so grateful because I met somebody who was more of a spiritual healer and had been obese and showed me how to go deeper and deal with the underlying causes. Cause the, you know, I had like five different sizes of pants in my closet. Cause I was always, I was a yo-yo dieter. So I was like up 30 down 20 up 10. So I, I was always on that merry go round that roller coaster ride with weight um, so it wasn't until I started dealing with those deeper feelings about myself, that the untrue beliefs that I was buying into um, about my worth, um, that stuff definitely had to change. And, and, you know, obviously I don't feel those that way today about myself and the, and the journey of self-love has, you know, been an amazing one. And it's really what I teach my clients as well. And or I, I call it weight loss from the inside out. So, you know, people come to me after they're just so tired of dieting. They're so like that. I can't do it. You can't do another diet. You know, it doesn't work. I'm up and down the scale. Um, and I call it weight loss from the inside out because when we do heal on the inside, and we heal the, you know, like we stop emotionally eating, you know, cause that was my deal as I used food for reasons beyond my nutritional need. Um, when you stop that, the weight just comes off. You don't have to focus on weight loss. You don't have to diet. It's like, it's just a natural consequence of no longer using food for emotional reasons. Thank you so much for that vulnerable share. It's such an important thing to talk about like you mentioned so many things like the shame not feeling worthy not feeling worthy to be on the planet and mm -hmm. using food to um, fill up the void and so you went through a lot to get to the place where you can start to heal and how do you find to how you how do you now use food as pleasure but not as an emotional substitute yeah, well, it, it took a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. Um, the, the good news is, is I put what I, and I still do what I did, you know, like I'm not cured. I'm still an emotional eater, I think by 
nature, I have that capacity and I have a capacity to gain weight easily. I can look at chocolate cake and gain five pounds. So, um, you know, so I have to, I have to practice exactly what I did to heal. I still do it one day at a time. Um, and it's what I teach, but the nice thing is, is I put it, I kind of codified what I do and that's what I teach is it's a very specific step-by-step system, which to me is great because, you know, there's lots of advice out there that's kind of nebulous, like mindful eating, intuitive eating. And, you know, while they're sound concepts, I needed more like practical steps, like what do I do? And that's really what I do and what I teach. Um, but I feel like um, everything I do really does lend itself towards that process of, of self-love. Like, at, like, like to me, self-love is a nebulous, nebulous concept too, right? Like, it's like, well, how do you love yourself? And, right. you know, I feel like it's really, there are like, it's an, it's an, self-love is an action. Like we have to actively, we can't say we love ourselves and then go binge on 2000 calories. Cause that doesn't mesh, you know, like my actions with food were not self-loving. They were self-abusive, you know? And so I had to have my actions matching, but that could only happen when you do clear out the emotions that, you know, that you're stuffing with food. I think I totally forgot what your question was. I think I just went off on a tangent, (laughs) but hopefully I was in the, in the vicinity of it. I don't even remember what you asked me. Sorry. No, it's a, it was, it was, it was great. It was all good. It was all good. Well, I guess specifically I'm asking about, because I know for me, I'm an, I'm an emotional eater as well. Um, I haven't, gone through the ups and downs of weight loss or weight gain, but I, but I know that when I'm upset, I reach for food. I think that's a very common, you bet. um, common situation with women. And I've also had the body image issue or the body not feeling like my body was good enough, normal in the normal parameters of what bodies should look like. Right. And, but then at the same time, food is very pleasurable. So you want, you want to like enjoy your okay. food, but Thank at the you. same, but at the same time, it can go to the extreme where you, if you feel unworthy, if you don't feel loved, if you don't feel good about yourself, then you're using food to replace the love that you don't have within yourself. Totally. So thank you for reminding me what you asked me. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. I I've kind of, um, I have this thing called the pep test that I want to share, which is a way for people to start seeing what ways we emotionally use food because we know what you know unhealthy foods do to us, but I really needed to do a reframe and look at what it was doing for me, okay, for us. And so the PEP test, P-E-P is an acronym. And this is a way to just start, you know, if people are kind of thinking, oh, I don't, I'm not an animal feeder, you know, and I love that you know that you are because I think we all are, frankly, you know, we're just not in tune with it. So the PEP test, uh, the first P stands for painkiller. So we often use food to numb pain you know, what kind of pain, any kind of pain, emotional pain, you know, pain of a job that doesn't fit us anymore, pain of a relationship that should have ended five years ago, pain of, you know, uh, financial stress, perhaps a parent who's ill. I mean, there's all kinds of opportunities to feel pain, but 
for me, I would numb the pain. That's why I was drawn to carbs and sugar and fatty foods. I mean, I wasn't usually numbing. Salads wouldn't have numbed the pain. Let's put it this way. So I need the heavier, denser food because they would take the edge off. They would ease the pain temporarily. Um, The E in PEP stands for escape because I tend to be, you know, my experience is overeaters are overthinkers. And so we're constantly ruminating about what we should have said, what we should have done, regrets, fears, you know, worry. And so we want to escape our heads. You know, we just want to check out. Um, So we use food as a form of escape. And I would do that when I get my goodies and my TV show, you know, I just be kind of out there. I'm I'm like, like, you know, (laughs) I'm off. I'm not, I'm not open for business anymore. So, so, and it works it temporarily. Um, And the last P stands for punishment, which seems counterintuitive. I know because yummy foods are meant to be a reward, but when I would overeat and stuff myself, go overboard, of course, that was not a reward. I would end up feeling sick, mad at myself, you know, maybe canceling something the next day because I was too bloated in my face, you know, and so that was more of a self punishment, like I talked about before. And so it begs the question, like, what's that about? And my experience is overeaters tend to be over feelers. And so we tend to feel guilty about things, you know, like we're super hard on ourselves and then we beat ourselves up with food and it works, you know, and it's honestly, it works for all three. Like it's a great painkiller. It's a great escape. And it has a built-in punishment as well. You end up just being so mad at yourself for your choices and amounts. So I, I share the PEP test PEP because it's a nice way to start making the connection between your emotions and your eating again, for somebody who's just, they're not in touch with that, but you can't unhear this information. So I'm glad you have me on here. And for those who are listening is it does help to start hmm, observing, like I'm going to the kitchen five times this evening. What's, what's going on? Like, what am I really feeling? And that's how we can start making that connection. And if I'm not doing those things, you know, and I'm eating, healthy foods, you know, I, of course I meant to enjoy my food, you know, like we, we get to enjoy our food. I went to a party last night and it was at this gorgeous restaurant and the food was amazing. And I love good food. I mean, I'm still a foodie, (laughs) you know, so we get to enjoy good food, but I think the reasons why we're eating the motives behind our eating makes all the difference and how I feel later makes all the difference too. Like, I don't want to eat so much that I feel sick because then it won't have been a good experience for me. So, um, I recommend something called three meal magic. They coined that phrase, um, which is eating three meals with nothing in between. And a good part of that is so that we can start feeling our feelings in between, because when I'm snacking all day, when I'm eating all the time, I'm pretty much numbed out all the time. And I don't even know what my feelings are. Whereas if we put face or space between the meals, you know, four or five hours between breakfast and lunch, lunch and dinner, um, maybe 12 hours between dinner and breakfast, you know, um, get a little intermittent fasting in there without doing crazy starving, um, you know, when we eat that way in a regular schedule, first of all, it's very self-caring, you know, it's like, we're telling our body, we're not going to starve. We're not going to do these crazy diet hacks. We're going to eat. It means how would you feed your sweet baby daughter? I mean, that's, we got to think of that. Like what I tell my daughter, oh, you're going to 
fast for 16 hours so that you can lose a few pounds. Like we would never say that to our daughter, right? So why are we doing that to ourselves? You know, and so just a regular plan of eating, I find to be super helpful and self-caring, but also help us start to access our emotions in between. So when you have a little bit of hunger, sitting with that and not freaking out, you know, and reaching for food, but just kind of like sitting with it and think what's going on. Like, maybe I'm just hungry or maybe I'm having some emotional hunger. Maybe there's a phone call. I don't want to make I mean, I find sometimes when I'm working at my computer, all of a sudden I'll go, Oh, I'm starving. I'm very dramatic. So I'm, I'm starving. And then I'll get to say really like, you, and this is when I eat three healthy meals, then I can reason it out and be like, really, you had breakfast two hours ago. It's, you're, it's probably not physical, what's going on? Uh, there's like a class I have to teach. I don't really want to like do like, or I haven't done my PowerPoint or I don't want to make this phone call. I don't want to do my taxes. <laughs> it's usually some avoidance thing. I don't want to deal with my uncomfortable feelings, my feelings of vulnerability, my feelings of, you know, inadequacy or whatever. And so then I can dig into it when I know it's really not physical. I love that. I think it's all about awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. Like understanding what your emotional state is and how you're choosing to process it. Yeah. And I found you mentioned something earlier about um, people that are because when people are eating emotionally, they're very sensitive. And I found a lot of the people I've talked to, my clients and friends that identify as emotional eaters are also empathic or highly sensitive. Yes. And I feel like there's a correlation between being a highly sensitive person in the world and then using food as a protection to kind of, you know, protect you from other people, but also eating food as a way of numbing the pain that you were mentioning. No question. Yeah. We are, we tend to be over feelers, you know, and it's, it is, it's like, we have to negotiate that. Like, like being empathic, being you know, uh, somebody who feels deeply, uh, which all emotional leaders do. And in, in my experience, um, you know, it's a liability until we learn to work with it. You know, when we take on other people's problems, when we're constantly jumping in to rescue people, because we feel so much their pain, you know, that's a problem because then we're overworking ourselves. We're over committing ourselves and we're overeating because we're stressed out. You know, so much of our eating, our stress eating over stress is over stress that we create ourselves, you know, by over helping, over committing. And so, uh, you know, over pleasing, we tend to be people pleasers. And so we have to live differently. So we don't take on that extra stress and just learn to work with it. So we can still be empathic and super compassionate towards people, but without jumping into the pot with them, you know, right, <laughs> and, right. And that's really, it takes some work, you know, and it takes creating boundaries and learning how to say no, you know, and learning that, you know, it's okay if somebody isn't happy with our decision of no, like we can get through those feelings too. So much of it is just sort of widening the container of feelings that we're willing to feel and move through instead of stuffing them immediately with food. 100%. And how do you work with your clients to help release the emotional pain that's not by not eating. So is it like journaling exercises? Do you work with people and give them a various different options on how they can release their emotional pain? Yes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so all of the above. Um, yeah. So this is one of the reasons why diets are so silly because when we take away all the yummy, ooey gooey, chewy foods and we 
we don't have another way of coping, we go back to those foods because it's like all we, when we use those foods to cope and this is what emotional eaters do, right? We lean on food to get by when we're stressed, when we're lonely, when we're afraid, but we take the food away, but we don't have any other way of dealing. Um, then we go back to the food. So we've got to have new ways of dealing. You know, that's really what we need is a whole new toolkit, whole, whole new toolkit um, for dealing with the stress of life and for learning how to not create so much stress as well. So I teach something called the self six self-care success secrets, which is um, journaling, writing, meditation, prayer, reading spiritual literature, walking and talking. Okay. So these are all ways of lowering stress, offloading emotions, um, and then just getting more in touch with ourselves. So I teach people to start the day. I call it putting money in your spiritual bank account. So we start the day with like some morning routine that can help us like get still and quiet and connected with our divine selves, you know, and when we do that, we put money in the spiritual bank account, we can take withdrawals throughout the day, you know, think, you know, when stress comes up, when stuff gets hard, we've built a resource that day that we can draw on. Whereas if we jump out of bed and we start doing Instagram and Facebook and, you know, answering emails, we're, we're running on empty, you know, we don't have anything in there and we're, we've got a major deficit, you know, later in the day. So it's really important that we set ourselves up with success by having those tools at the ready and they make all the difference in the world, like all the difference in the world. So it's really, really important to have those tools. Otherwise we're just like white knuckling, not eating, not eating, not eating till we blow. It's like, I can't take it anymore. You know, we have to, you, you can't do it in a vacuum. You have to create a whole new orientation to life of, of stress relief, you know? And on top of that, as I do teach people, you know, how to communicate their feelings, how to put boundaries, you know, on their time and that kind of stuff, which seems obvious, but we're not good at it. We're just not good at it. And so we have to learn that and cheer each other on. So my work is done in groups mostly because the group support is amazing and makes all the difference too. And, you know, if you're, if you're the only one in your life meditating, you know, for stress relief, it's going to seem weird and odd. And you're going to be like, ah, oh, nobody else is meditating, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're around people who are meditating and, and implementing these self-care secrets, it makes it easier and it normalizes it and makes it, you know, it just the encouragement of that group support makes all the difference. Absolutely. And for me, I just think to love yourself is to really care for yourself. You need to create yeah. self-care practices in order to understand how to love and take care of yourself. So meditation, Absolutely. all of those things are so important. And I, and it's also the consistency. I think that's the biggest key, like being able to do something daily mm-hmm. makes a big difference. Because even that's the biggest thing I I struggle with, right? Like I know all the things. Right. Like, right? Yeah. So it's not I, rocket science. <laughs> yeah. And I teach it and I share it with people and I do it for a certain amount of time and then I don't. And when I don't, I'm like, oh yeah, this is why. I yeah. Oftentimes you, oftentimes you don't know how well it works till you stop doing it. And you're like, right. oh, it really was working because I felt so much better than I feel right now. <laughs> right. It makes a big difference. And then when I fall yeah. off the wagon and you know, I feel overwhelmed and crazy. I'm like, oh, right. I haven't been meditating. I haven't been journaling. That's yeah. right. So yep. it, it's worth that extra 10, 20, 15 minutes, up to an hour, however long you can dedicate your time to create yeah. that little pocket in the morning 
or in the evening, whenever. But I think the morning is always nice to kind of set the intention for the day is what I've mm-hmm. actually started this week is every day setting the intention for the day. And that's been really beautiful just to kind of set the energy of the vibration of how I want the day to go. Yes. And, um, that's been really nice. Love it. Love it. Um, And so another part of emotional eating, I know most women can understand this is when it goes around your menses, like mm-hmm. peri- like perimetopause, menopause. Um, sure. And I feel like the hormones have such a big part to play. And I know from a Chinese medicine standpoint, we talk a lot about different love, different organs having different stagnation, like liver and kidneys. And I know for I know with my clients, when people are liver stagnant, meaning they're very stressed, their adrenals are high, their high cortisol levels, they tend to binge eat before their period. And so, I mean, it depends on the woman, but is that kind of similar work with what you are dealing with with your clients in terms of teaching them awareness around their menses and how they can shift their eating around that and not just be like, oh, well, it's my period, so I I can eat five tons of chocolate? Yeah, no, I don't actually get into that only because that's not my zone of genius, but, um, but I really teach people just the daily practices of tuning in with whatever their emotional state is. So the writing is, you know, writing and journaling is a regular habit, you know, and like we talked about, like the, the consistency is going to make all the difference for whatever comes down the pike. So if it's, you know, in your cycle, you know, when you are more emotional, you have your self-care practices to get you through it. You know, there's a death in the family or it's holiday time. You have your self-care practices to get through it. So I just find that when you have that foundation of self-care, then whatever it is, you've got, you're prepared, you know, you've you've got a way to deal with it. That's healthy, you know, and productive. Um, So, I mean, I mean, I, when I'm in my, I mean, I still get my period, I'm 54, but I, um, you know, like clockwork, there's a day or two before my period that I'm super emotional. Like I'm more likely to cry and more likely to get pissed off. You know, it just is what it is. It's been that way for, you know, 35 years. (laughs) So 37 years, something like that. So, um, or I don't know, I'm doing my, my math wrong probably, but, um, but the bottom line is it's, you know, it's whatever it is, I'm, I'm prepared because I have this consistent way of living and dealing with my emotions, whatever, whatever they are, basically. That's great. I mean, it's pretty much how we all should live our lives, being able to manage our emotional state so it doesn't spill on to others and we can like take full responsibility of who we are and and what we want to create in the world. Totally. Um, So let's get, uh, let's get into the infinite love questions. All right. So how do you express love in your work? Um, I'd say I express, well, first of all, I express love by doing my work because um, five years ago I decided, I mean, I've done this work for 32 years, but not in as heal your hunger. So I started um, heal your hunger five years ago. I started my podcast, the heal your hunger show five years ago. And I wrote my book and then I, I created my first course. Um, So I did all that as a form of self-love because the, I was answering a call. Like I knew this is what I needed to do. Um, and in this new iteration, cause I loved working online. I just, I find it so awesome that you can use zoom and, and yeah. reach people all around the world. This is great. So, so to me, that was the first act of self-love. I used to be in partnership, um, 
with, uh, with the man who mentored me. We worked together for years to help people. And then I married him. And, <laughs> and, and so we worked together, but I did most of the work and I found it very frustrating to have to make decisions with him when he didn't really see the vision or we were, he didn't want to work online. And like, we were just across purposes a lot of the time. And I had this real yen to do it my way, like a good entrepreneur. And so I finally, I ended that relationship. I actually just ended the business side of our relationship. And then ultimately two years ago, I divorced as well. Um, but but basically it was an act of self-love to step into what I really felt like I was meant to do is work on my own, which, oh my God, was so much better not be in partnership in, you know, that way, make my own decisions, do whatever I wanted, however I felt guided to do it. It was just awesome. So that's, that's, I'd say the first act of self-love. Um, but in terms of my work, I mean, it really is a labor of love. I mean, it is a business, you know, but I'm not very money focused and, and we make money, you know, I mean, it's, it's a very, it's a profitable business, but my, it's really my life's work and my mission. Um, so I think that comes through and I think that people feel my heart, um, you know, this is a sensitive topic. And I work with women who have had lots of, you know, trauma and, um, a lot of self-hatred and a lot of disappointment and discouragement. And so, um, the reason why I think my work works as well as it does is because I bring my heart to it, you know, and I do totally love on the people that are, you know, in my universe. And I just pour so much love into them through Zoom, you know, and phone calls. But um, God, it is so satisfying, like to be able to give these people love because they need it. Like, that's really how they're going to heal. It's the love that's going to help them heal. That's why I do it in groups as well. So they can love on each other, you know, because that love is healing in and of itself. It's, it heals to be loved and it heals to love as you know. Yeah. And I think it's specifically around emotional eating. Cause I feel like a lot of it, like you said earlier, it's a shame. A lot of it comes from that shame and self-loathing and it's something secretive, you know, like when you go mm -hmm. home, oh, yeah. and you're not feeling, you're feeling a certain way, you're eating whatever you're eating, bags of chips or candy or whatever, muffins, but no one's there to really be, to see you. It's like, you're yeah. doing it in secret. Totally. Um, and, and in that secret, it always, in that darkness, that's where all that pain kind of lives and thrives and really takes you over and love is one of the only ways I've, I know anyway, to shine light into those spaces to bring so that you don't feel so ashamed and don't feel have that self-loathing and self-hatred and in group, of course, I think group would probably, that's definitely the best way to do that. Cause then you can experience love in a greater way and also understand that other women are and other people, cause men go through this too, but other people go through the same self-hatred and then stuffing it with food to make themselves feel better. And then they feel worse. And it's a, it's a terrible cycle. It is. And everybody thinks they're the only one who does the crazy things they do, you know, right? like, yeah. So, so that just compounds it, that sense of isolation and being a pariah and all this, it's like, and it, it when everybody realizes, Oh, you do that too. Or you think that too, you know, just kind of letting the cat out of the bag. It is so healing in and of itself. I know. I, I think that's, the huge part of the, he the healing is having the awareness of what's happening 
and then also sharing it with others because then when you when you it comes out of my mouth and I say something I'm like oh my god I'm you felt that too you felt <laughs> right? that oh my god yeah. I thought I was crazy and but if we don't talk about it it's like I feel like it's impossible to heal because yeah you're just gonna stay in the closet about it and then it's just gonna get worse and worse and worse and I feel like that's the power of community and the power of love and inclusiveness and making people feel safe so that they can heal the these deep these deep deep wounds because they go deep yes they do this is like the core these are core wounds that we many of us have been in have it's been inflicted since we were kids so we're carrying them on for years you bet so second question is where has forgiveness brought more love into your life oh um there's one person which is the person that i had the sexual abuse with so there's that person that i hated for years my hating this person helped me feel defended and protected so as a kid hating this person like was a survival skill because it made me feel strong but then as an adult it became a habit like when there was something I didn't like or something I was uncomfortable with, I just went to hate. Like I just, I just created this wall of hate. So it became this liability that was trapping me, you know, and hurting me. Um, and so I really um, did a lot of work on that relationship because it was a family member. So I, I did a lot of work on that relationship and I don't hate this person anymore. In fact, I'm in relationship with this person and, um, and we've had a lot of healing and this person has definitely done their own healing and apologized. Um, so, which not everybody gets that opportunity, right. With their abuser. Um, but I, I was fortunate th that we got to do that. And, um, but the work in my heart is what made all the difference is to forgive this person and to have compassion for this person that wasn't an adult yet um, uh, themselves. So um, that, thank God, I don't hate that person anymore. And I have lo only love in my heart um, with my ex. I mean, uh, I was in a relationship with this person for a long, long time. And I had resentments, you know, for sure. And so I've done a lot of work around that and forgiveness has, I just love this person. I saw him last night and I just, I look at him and I just think, oh, he's so, he's a good person, you know, like, and I just, I had good warm feelings. And so I'm grateful for that because you I mean, the truth is I, I had a lot of resentments um, and held a lot of things inside because I ate over them, right? When we stuff our feelings, we're stuck with those same feelings. They don't go anywhere. They just get packed down and they do a number on us. So um, healing from emotional eating has so much to do with forgiveness. And this is what I teach as well. And my, my clients go through this process of forgiving, you know, getting stuff out and forgiving for sure. So you know, but the, the bottom line is it helps me love myself when I'm not holding grudges. You know, it helps me feel better about myself when I don't carry hate in my heart. Like that's the person I want to be. And so I strive to do that and be that by, by doing my work to get to forgiveness. Yeah. It's, um, it's all about forgiveness. I find it because that clears our own energy body and yeah. we're holding on to less. Cause I feel like when you're holding on to pain or anger, it attracts more. So then you actually, you're gaining that weight of negativity. Yeah. It's just a 
just not, it's not a good place to be, but it takes time. What was some of your um, forgiveness practices, if you um, are open to sharing that you did to help you get to that space? Sure. Um, I mean, writing was big, you know, writing out my resentments, my pain, crying was big, like getting kind of going back there to that place when I was a kid, you know, and the feelings I had revisiting that and just curling up in the fetal position and crying and sort of getting the pain out. I had to get the pain out. Um, but I read something every day. I'm trying to see if it's here on my table, but, um, I read something about forgiveness every day where I just every day do an affirmation of forgiving everything and everybody, you know, that I could possibly have, you know, unforgiveness towards. So I do that every day. Um, and also I think what really helps me is owning, um, where I've done the same thing, you know? So when I, I start getting judgy towards somebody, I have to pull back and say, have I ever done something like that? Like, have I ever had those feelings or have I ever, you know, at least thought about doing that, you know, and, and that mirroring, you know, quality of realizing, Hey, you know, none of us are perfect. I've done the same thing, or at least wanted to do the same thing. Um, that helps me get off that, that high horse that I can get on. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Third question is what is the, what is the most compassionate act someone has done for you? The most compassionate act. Okay. This is going to be weird. Um, but my ex many, many, many years ago, I had to do an enema. (laughs) So I had to do this like olive oil. I can't remember what I was cleansing some, my gallbladder or something. I had to do this olive oil enema, um, which was olive oil and coffee. I think it was a coffee enema. I might be I'm mixing two different it's, kinds of enemas. Is that right? You it's, know. A co- it's a coffee enema and then you drink the olive oil. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, I forgot who I'm talking to. Yes. So I was doing that and he helped me through the whole thing. Like he was there in the bathroom with me kind of supporting me. I mean, he didn't do a lot, but he was there through it. And I just thought, man, like that is like super nice, super compassionate, super like vulnerable. Like I was so vulnerable and it was so not something you let somebody else be exposed to, but he was like right there with me, just supporting me. And, um, and I was touched by that. I thought that was cool. (laughs) That is very sweet. (laughs) (laughs) What do you love most about your life? Um, I would say my business, I mean, heal your hunger is like my greatest source of joy. I just, I absolutely love what I get to do. And I, it, I wake up happy and excited. I it's challenges me. It's creative. You know, there's always something coming down the pike. Um, you know, it definitely challenges me, but, um, but it keeps me active and alive and curious and, and like reaching higher. So that's, that's number one. I'd say number two is my boyfriend. Cause I have a really great boyfriend that I just adore. So, nice. so yeah, he makes me happy. <laughs> oh, sweet. And how do you feel you receive love? Um, I would just say by having my heart open, you know, like I receive love every day from different people, different places. Um, but but probably by giving it first, you know, my heart is open when I'm giving love, when I'm friendly, when I'm at the 
you know, checkout counter and I'm being really nice to the checkout person and I'm remembering to be thankful and share my gratitude with people, like all that keeps me open. And then it just comes, you know, it's just an open channel. So it comes back to me. Nice. And lastly, where has love created a miracle in your life? Oh, oh, so many miracles. Um, I think, I think remembering and sort of like the thing, the answer I just had, but um, I think, I think the miracles are when I love instead of trying to get love, like when I love out instead of trying to bring love in, you know, when I, when I let go of my expectations of being loved and just focus on loving, um, that's when the miracle happens. Cause then I, I'm just happy. I'm just happy because I'm focusing on loving. Yeah, I agree with that. It's beautiful. <laughs> so how can people find you, connect with you? Please tell us your social media details and website. Great. Um, my website is healyourhunger.com, H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com. Um, on that website, you can find a quiz if somebody is wondering if they're an emotional eater or even a food addict, which I was definitely a food addict, but, um, you can take the free quiz and find out if you're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between. Um, it's like a two minute free quiz. Um, that's on my website. And then, um, also my, you can access my, uh, podcast on there, um, or go to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else, Amazon, um, my podcast is called the heal your hunger show. Uh, what else? I have a group on Facebook called the secret sauce to end emotional eating. So we share really cool stuff on there and I have guest speakers and all that. And I'm super excited to have you as a guest on my podcast, by <laughs> the way. So we're going to be doing that real soon. And then I have a book on Amazon, which is called heal your hunger, seven simple steps to end emotional eating now. And it is on audible as well. Um, so it's like a five hour quote read, you know, when you listen to it on audible. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I love your energy and I love the work that you're doing. It's so vital and important. Back and at you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, I'm sending you lots of love. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.